Today we begin the final section of God's favor, a section titled Higher Calling. In chapter 10, Gary Wilkerson touches on a desire we all have, to be special. Businesses know how to make you feel special through upgrades, deals that only a few can obtain, and the coveted gold card. God also has a special favor that puts those earthly marketing schemes to shame. Gary tells us about that special favor using Paul's words from Philippians. God's favor is written by Gary Wilkerson. Gary is the president of World Challenge and the host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast and a video devotional series called 86 Seconds. You can find both at worldchallenge.org. God's favor is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. These podcasts are made possible only through generous donors like you. You can donate on our website, worldchallenge.org. And now, here's chapter 10, Proclaiming Your Favor, read by Jason Staples. Part 4. A Higher Calling. God's Over-the-Top Favor. Chapter 10. Special Favor. Hearing the Call to a Higher Love. Everyone wants to be special. The world knows this, and tons of businesses capitalize on it. You see the evidence every day in your inbox, in your mailbox, on your device screen, offers for different levels of specialness just for doing business with this or that company. Hotels, airlines, clothing stores, even coffee shops dangle gold, silver, and bronze levels for their participating members. The more you patronize their service, the higher you get bumped up in membership with all kinds of rewards and discounts. They make you feel a special kind of favor for choosing their business. Yet there's another kind of special favor we can receive, a different kind of favor that comes on a more personal level. This is the special favor shown by friends who go the extra mile for us. I needed this type of favor a few years ago when I broke my back in a car accident and was going to be incapacitated for a long while. Suddenly, my family and I were in great need of help. That's when a young couple who works with our ministry stepped in. They had only been married a short while, but they chose to go so far as to move into our home to help make our lives easier. They had jobs of their own to go to, yet they spent their free time going to the grocery store for us, cooking for us, cleaning for us, and doing every kind of chore a family needs. Household things seem minor when you can do them yourself, but they loom large when you can't. Doing those things for us helped our family get through an extremely hard season. I still shake my head in wonder at the sacrifice that young couple made. Can you imagine the kind of love it takes to do that for a friend? They blessed us with a devotion I'll never forget. Kelly and I will always hold them in a special place in our hearts. What they showed us truly was special favor. Yet God shows his people a type of favor that's even more special than this. Paul introduced the Philippians to the concept of God's special favor. In Philippians 1, 6, and 7, it says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God. Paul is telling the Christians in Philippi, you and I have something in common as followers of Jesus. 
We belong to a special, unique kind of group. It's a group where God shows us his special favor. Anyone reading this passage would think, Sign me up. That sounds like God's gold package. And I want the best of everything that the Lord has for me. If knowing his favor is as awesome as I've known so far, how much greater is it to know his special favor? Yet, as you might guess, God's favor is a lot different than the world's. Paul points this out, completing the last verse. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. Wait, what? Is Paul saying he was shown God's special favor by being sent to jail? How could being shackled and silenced reveal favor? This great apostle had preached to thousands, seeing crowds fall to their knees crying out for salvation. He appeared before kings, judges, governors, philosophers, and other prominent people of his day. He received great spiritual revelations from the Lord, including a personal revelation of Jesus himself. That's what favor sounds like to me. How does descending from all that into a prison cell become special favor? Contrary to all reason, Paul describes his dark situation as if it were a gold club membership. And he thanked the Philippians for supporting him in his imprisonment, just the way I was thankful for the young couple who chose to support me. You see, what Paul describes here has to be translated through a spiritual heart. He's showing us that God is likely to bring us into unlikely places when he wants to accomplish a special kingdom work in our lives. Paul knew that God's favor isn't only on us when things are going great. The opposite can be true, in fact. Sometimes it's when life becomes hardest that God shows us his greatest favor. I have a friend who was on the worship team of a church I once pastored. When a young woman began attending, my friend was smitten with her. She'd only been a Christian for a short while and had a rough background, but my friend fell in love with her and they ended up marrying. The dreams he'd held for so long in his walk with Jesus were coming to pass. Time after time, he told me, Gary, I'm so blessed to be with her. The favor of God is all over me. But their marriage took a downturn. The wife reverted to her old lifestyle, falling deeper into an addiction until finally she left my friend for good. He was devastated, inconsolable, over not only the wife he lost, but also a sense of losing God's presence. I thought I was following his leading when we married, he told me. I don't know what to think now. As my friend walked through that trial, he could have turned to a certain teaching that many hurting Christians cling to. It states, Don't worry, everything will be fine. God is going to work it all out for you. I have to admit, it angers me to hear this type of message preached because it does Christians a horrible disservice. People's hurts are real. And when their trials get worse instead of better, they're left scratching their heads. Then when things take a final tragic turn, they're devastated even more. Now they have nowhere to go with their broken heart since God was supposed to make everything fine. It's no wonder so many wounded people limp away from the church for good. As a pastor, I have some hard news for you. Not everything turns out fine. Not all marriages last. Not all people recover from their addictions. I've buried some people in our church that I shouldn't have had to, including young people. There are many reasons why tragedies take place. My point is this. 
The world we live in and the trials we face are real. And we need a very real, faithful God who will walk lovingly beside us as we go through those trials. In fact, we need His special favor to get us through them. Is there a crisis in your family? Is it financial, relational, circumstantial, emotional? Jesus wants you to know He's with you, that He has His hand on your shoulder, His arms around you, and His strength underneath you to carry you through your dark hour. When my friend's wife returned to a sinful lifestyle, she made a choice. That choice wasn't God's choice for her. It was her own. And it wounded her husband and destroyed her marriage. My friend could have become bitter. So many Christians do when they experience losses like his. They think they've lost any favor they ever had. But that isn't God's way of doing things. He's not a God who looks to take away good things from us. He looks for ways to bless us. He is out for our good, even to restore what has been taken away. Despite his crippling pain, my friend held on to his faith. He battled through that excruciating trial, and God kept building his strength. His circumstances didn't change, but everyone who knew him sensed his heart was gradually moving from bronze to silver to gold in God's kingdom. The Lord had more in store for his life, and it would only come through his special favor. If ever a child of God might be convinced he lost the Lord's favor, it was David. If there was one Israelite who obviously knew God's favor, it was the amazing young man anointed to be Israel's king. From a young age, David had everything going for him. He was a mighty warrior whom King Saul wanted by his side in battle. David was handsome and talented, a musician who wrote songs that God's people still sing today. And he was charismatic. When Saul's armies returned in victory, the crowds cheered for David more than they did the king. Everything he touched seemed blessed by God's favor. But something went wrong in David's life. In fact, everything did. David's brothers were jealous of him. So was Saul, who flew into sudden rages and tried to kill David on several occasions. Finally, David had to flee, hiding in a cave in the wilderness. All that authority and respect he had enjoyed, talk about knowing God's favor, was taken away from him overnight. But why? I hear from a lot of Christians who wonder the same thing about their lives. They walked happily in God's divine favor for years. But then suddenly things fell apart. Now they question everything. Did they really hear from the Lord? How did they miss His direction so badly? Will God be faithful to them despite it all? David's response to these questions reveals everything. 1 Samuel 36 says, David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. David could have given in to discouragement. Instead, he kept his faith and through his overwhelming trials, his faith continued to grow. Friend, when your life takes a downturn and you're shivering in a dark cave, that's when your character is formed. For Paul, it was in prison. For David, it was in a cave. I found out something revealing about David's dark experiences as I was preparing this message. I studied his prayer life. And believe it or not, when things were going well for Israel's amazing young leader, the Bible doesn't record him praying. 
David sang psalms, but worship is different from intimate, poured-out petition. That changed during David's crisis. Inside the cave, he became a man of intense prayer. Your dark cave is also where you find out who your friends are. While David was forced to hide out, word spread through Israel about his crisis. Suddenly, a lot of unlikely groups of people rallied around him. These were supporters whom David never would have expected. First of all, his estranged brothers came to his side in support. Then a group of experienced soldiers showed up to pledge their loyalty to David. These warriors weren't looking for more stripes on their sleeves. They came because they loved their leader and believed in his calling. All of this reflects an incredible aspect of God's special favor. As we endure our dark night, He works to reconcile our relationships. You see, our Lord is more concerned about our relational losses than even we are. And beautiful restorations like David's might never have happened without his crisis. After David emerged from the cave, we see a new spiritual authority in his life. Beginning with 1 Samuel 23, he moves in a supernatural power he hadn't known before. Yet it never would have happened without the divine shaping that comes through God's special favor. Matthew's Gospel contains a story that demonstrates the beauty of God's special favor in even the unlikeliest person's life. Matthew describes a scene in which a Canaanite woman approached Jesus in great need. Canaanites were Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. And in Jesus' day, the word Gentile pretty much meant heathen, meaning unclean, worshiping false gods, far from the one true Lord. If you were a faithful Jew, you stayed as far away from the Gentiles as possible. Some Jews went so far as to avoid even going into the home of a Gentile, or to eat with them, or to have any kind of physical contact. And Canaanites were considered on the low end of the Gentile scale. You can imagine the public scene as this Canaanite woman begged Jesus to help her daughter who was tormented by a demon. Matthew 15.22 says, And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. At first, Jesus responded as any righteous Jew of that time would. Scripture says, But he did not answer her a word. The disciples' reaction was just as typical. His disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. In short, the woman was causing a social scandal. Surely this Canaanite woman knew the ruckus she was causing, but she didn't care. Now I'm a grandparent, and if my grandkids were in dire need as this woman's daughter was, I would make a scene too, to get them the help they needed. To this woman, all that mattered was her daughter's need. It must have been a heartbreaking story. I imagine her child growing up healthy and playing with her friends. Then one day, the little girl comes home from playing and she has a horrid look on her face. Her menacing demeanor sends a chill through her mother who knows something is desperately wrong. In the coming days, her daughter begins to throw tormented fits. The fits grow worse and worse, frightening her siblings and causing her parents to panic. In public, the girl runs wild, alienating the family from everyone and causing neighbors to avoid them. Eventually, the family loses all hope. What once looked like God's favor in a blessed household has turned unimaginably dark, casting everyone into despair. 
The Gospels contain several stories of demon-possessed children and their desperate parents who came to Jesus hoping for a miracle. My heart breaks as I read these family stories. They're living through the worst season of their lives. Their need is overwhelming, and they obviously turn to God's miracle-working power as their last hope. The Canaanite woman's story is all the more poignant because at her moment of deepest need, Jesus seems to turn his back on her. He did not answer her a word. Maybe you felt what this mother did at that moment. Have you ever prayed to God in a time of raw, desperate need, but heaven seemed closed to you? You wonder what you did wrong that would cause the Lord to turn his ear from your cries. It can be devastating. So how did this mother respond? She did what any tenacious mother would do. She came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. But Jesus continued to seem to resist her. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. No one at that scene knew it, but Jesus was setting up a teaching moment for all of Israel and for us today. The point arrived with the determined woman's next response. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now Christ brought the lesson home. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. On one level, this is a deeply moving story of the compassion of our loving God. Yet it's much more than that. It's a story of God's special favor. This woman found God's favor not apart from struggles, but in the midst of the most difficult struggle of her life. And the blessed, special favor that she received was meant not just for her family, but for all of Israel. Think about it. Jesus applauded a Canaanite woman for her great faith when she wasn't even part of the church. It was a lesson meant to open the eyes of God's people to how far-reaching His compassionate, healing grace goes. Your dark season doesn't have to change for you to know you're still in God's favor and that He's working not just on your behalf, but for the sake of others too. Most of us pray for God to change our difficult circumstances. But if we knew the amazing work He's shaping in us and our world, we wouldn't want things to change at all. We would know the best is about to happen. Remember my friend, the worship musician, whom I described at the beginning of this chapter? As he walked faithfully through his pain, the Lord sent someone else into his life. She's an amazing Christian with a beautiful faith who was on her way to a top executive position with a firm in New York City. She's out of my league, my friend confided to me as they dated, but she didn't think so. They got married, and he went on to become a leader in a major ministry. They're so happy today. My friend thought he'd lost God's favor, but that wasn't the case at all. God worked through his tragic loss to design a blessing my friend could never have imagined. He cared about my friend's family life and restored it to him just as he did with David. And everyone around him witnessed that blessing take shape. Friend, that is the God who shows his children special favor. And he wants to bestow it on you in your crisis. So don't despise your trial. 
I promise you, if you hold on to your faith, you'll know the depths of God's love as you never have. And you'll find your life, and perhaps others, changed in amazing ways, marked by His compassionate, supernatural love. You've been listening to Chapter 10 of God's Favor, read by Jason Staples. This podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. World Challenge is incredibly thankful for the support we receive from many people across the country who believe in our mission. We're able to continue creating resources like this podcast because of donations from listeners like you. You can make a donation at worldchallenge.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. Next week on God's Favor, the final chapter, knowing the fullness of God's awesome favor. Until then, we hope you're experiencing the life God wants you to have.